0: as we say that we're starting a new series i'm super excited about and it's called happily ever after and it's just like it sounds we're talking about marriage all right and so uh when you think about happily ever after um all great fairy tales end with and they lived all right so you know the routine right all right so you all i don't have to instruct you on fairy tales but the question that we have here this morning is are fairy tales possible Is it possible to have a marriage that ends with the story, or starts with the story, and ends with the story, and they lived happily ever after? Or what if it's more like the reality of what we have in America, where you have about a 50-50 chance, whether you're in the church, out of the church, roll the dice, your marriage may or may not last, 50-50 chance, just see what's going to happen. Well, those aren't very good odds. Or, what if you're committed, you're gonna make sure that the marriage lasts, but you're going to be miserable the rest of your life because you're just compensating for some incredibly poor choices that you started out with? Well, that sounds like happily ever after. Or, what if you're just so frustrated by it all and you know that God's grace covers over a multitude of sins, you're just gonna skip the whole marriage thing and do the good stuff, right? Well, those are all options. But what if I gave you an alternative? What if i gave you an alternative laced with the truth and the promises of the word of god and it might not necessarily look like happily ever after the way that the fairy tales describe it but what if i told you that happily ever after is possible the way that god describes it and so i'm going to give you some ideas this morning that i want you to just listen to weigh them against the word of god and see if you can put them into practice in your life but i want to start with this principle well this truth i should say the marriage relationship from the beginning was designed for intimacy. The marriage relationship from the beginning of time was designed for intimacy. Now, if you're like my kids, as soon as you say the word intimacy, they think sex, right? Because that's what the world does. As soon as you say intimacy, sexual thoughts come into your mind. And I just want to challenge you that that's not intimacy. You can have sex with anybody, anything, just about anywhere at any time, and that's just sex. That makes you a sexual creature. It doesn't make you an intimate creature, all right? Matt's going to talk more about sex next week, but it's not that doesn't def- define intimacy it's an aspect of intimacy but the world kind of starts there and that's kind of where we aspire towards well if, if we're really intimate then we're going to have great sex no if you have a great relationship then you might have great sex or bad sex i don't really know but that's that's up to you but the reality is intimacy is so much more than that and you might be thinking well well, my kids are in here. I don't really want you talking about sex. It's okay. You want to know why? Because if you haven't talked to them yet and they're in here, you probably should have talked to them about sex by now. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because if you haven't, someone else has and it hasn't been the church. So we have to be able to get comfortable with this. We have to, as a church, as people, and I say church, not journey. I mean you. We have to begin to be able to have conversations that the world is having. The world's having them without us. And you want to know what's happening? They're leaving the foundational truths of God behind. And here's what I vowed to my wife and my kids. I am not going to give to Satan and the world what God gave to mankind for good. This is, sex is God's gift to mankind. The world doesn't get to corrupt it and take it away. God did it. So we have to begin to be okay with talking about that with our families, but Matt's going to talk about that later. So when we think about intimacy, this is what I want you to think about when we talk about it this morning. I want to talk about relational intimacy, the intimacy that really matters here, and I got this off of good old Google, Wikipedia, the definition here, Uh, close familiarity or friendship, closeness, the intimacy between a husband and wife, and then you know the synonyms that they put with that and everything, mutual affection, confidentiality, togetherness, companionship close relationship understanding comradeship it's that close relationship that we all long for from birth we that's i don't know if you've ever noticed this if you've been around long enough you probably uh, have friends or loved ones relatives maybe yourself who kind of go from relationship to relationship and, and poor choice after poor choice then we think wow well, how could they do that and why are they making those bad decisions and and we judge them and you don't know why because inside their soul is a longing for an intimate relationship and so we cannot stand in judgment of them we have to understand what are they trying to fulfill and find here on earth you see god designed us this way to fulfill that relationship but we have to define it by his methodology not by the world's methodology so a marriage that's fulfilling for both partners hear me on this a marriage that's fulfilling for both partners is incredibly difficult to navigate it is i'm not gonna stand up here if it, I just I get passionate, right? So those of you that this is the first time hearing me speak. I do not speak like this All right, I get a little excited I get a little animated and as melissa found out yesterday Even when I pray I raise my hands and I talk with my hands, right? This is what I do because the word of God gives us so much and when I talk about the principles this morning I'm not standing in judgment on anybody. I know the pain that exists with broken relationships. I know the tragedy and the fractures and the hurts. So when I say things that you might be like, oh, know that it is said with incredible love. I get it. Relationships are hard. First service, I was able to, my wife was actually sitting over there and I was able to say that with complete humility and excitement, the message that I'm going to give to you is born out of 22 years of marriage with my wife. All right, we get to celebrate 22 years on wednesday this week. I'm so excited And I pray thank you. I pray I get 40 more depends on how god how long god lets me live All right And the reason i'm excited is because everything that i've learned Has been put into practice and modeled in in my wife and i's relationship and not because it's been easy We've had some tough lessons But through this process the the things that I want to be able to share are truths that we've built our lives upon now if I told you our stare, story from the beginning to end It's kind of a little bit of hallmark ish movie-ish I'll give you that and I could make a, I could make a, a Case for love at first sight, but really I'd be lying. It was more lust at first sight I was attracted to her beauty. All right, I'm just the man. I'll tell you the truth That's the way it was and so but then as we got to know each other and before we married What we did is we vowed We chose to vow to choose to love We chose to vow To choose to love We made a vow that we would always love one another and that's a choice And so when we talk about fairy tales and you think about the fairy tale endings, it's always something well They just fell magically in love No, you don't that that that's why fairy tales end true love is something that's made out of consistent intentional choices And so we made a vow that forever and ever we are going to make intentional choices to choose to love one another. All choice-based. Not anything that you can fall into or fall out of. And that's what the world wants to suggest. That's why we go looking for things all the time because we're constantly falling out of love because we never realized how much we had to choose. And so here's what I want to tell you. That this true sexual intimacy... No true sexual intimacy will ever occur until there's genuine relational intimacy. No true sexual intimacy will ever occur until there's true genuine relational intimacy. And this is why. Because relational intimacy is driven by spiritual and emotional intimacy. Relational intimacy is driven by spiritual and emotional intimacy. Now, you can throw intellectual intimacy in there, all right? But I've seen a lot of marriages really thrive and they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't have to be in the same intellectual field, all right? But these two are non-negotiables if you want to be truly Intimate in your relationship with your spouse, then there's got to be a spiritual bond and an emotional bond And I can even tell you uh, from this perspective that even in the Buddhist or the Hindu faith I don't know if you know much about different religions or not, but they 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 follow this idea of tantric Sexuality or whatever. It's just enlightened state of sexual eroticism And so you want to know where they get it from and the reason why that sells so much in their particular faith because god designed us for oneness god designed us to be spiritually one you see they don't get to take what god created right so when you think about all the other religions of the world they're only they're they're making a false image of what god created god created us for oneness god created us for a strong spiritual bond from the beginning and so when we look at these truths that I'm going to share with you, I'm going to just call them principles, all right, because I'm, there's four foundational principles this morning I'm going to share with you, and you get to choose. And I say principles because they're, they're just your choice. You don't have to follow them, but I will say this. If you don't choose all of them, you're going to get a modified outcome. And I say modified because you left out ingredients. And so if you, how many of you are builders in here or in the construction industry or know anything about building? Anybody? Okay, a few of you, not many of you, all right, but those of you that do, all right, so you know, and you can talk to any one of them, so you know I'm not a liar, the foundation is the most important element of any structure that you build. It also takes the longest to build, and any, how, this is a better question, anybody ever had your own house built? All right, there we go, all right, so you'll be more aware of this, and you know that long time before you think anything's ever happening, and you're like, are they ever going to build my flippin' house? Yeah. All right, those of you, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's taking forever. You want to know why? Because that builder knows the foundation's the most important thing that they could build on your house. They could build an elaborate structure, but if they don't have the foundation right, they know you're never going to be happy because it's going to fall apart. Soon as the first storm comes, soon as the earth shifts the first time, as soon as your house starts to sink, it's going to fall apart. You're going to have cracks. The, the weakness of your foundation is going to reveal itself in the building it's just the way it works same way in your relationships except we like to ignore this principle we understand it when it comes to our house because we expect perfection there but in our relationships we think we can tweak the standards a little bit and so what i'm going to give you today are foundational principles you can choose to ignore them or choose to embrace them it's really up to you because over time if you modify them it'll be revealed by the structure that you build called a marriage Okay, So let's get into the four foundational truths, or principles. First of all, choose your God. you got to choose your God. Joshua talks about this. In fact, Joshua, I don't know if you know who Joshua was, but he was Moses' protege. He took over after Moses died, and he continued to lead the Israelites, and the Israelites were always whining and complaining how they always wanted what everybody else had, and they always wanted to, to go back to where they came from because it was always better, and nothing ever worked out the way they wanted it to, and they wanted to worship the gods of the kings and the lands that they went to. And this is what Joshua said to them, okay? Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt. He's like, get rid of them and worship Yahweh. In other words, choose your God. Keep going. But, because it's a principle, you don't have to choose to listen to what I'm saying. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, then just choose for yourselves today the one that you will worship the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So choose whatever religion you want. Choose the gods that you want to listen to. Choose the self-help books, the podcasts you want to listen to. You choose what you want to follow. But as for me my family, we choose Yahweh. We choose Yahweh. And I want to charge you with the fact that the same message that Joshua gave to the Israelites thousands of years ago is still a foundational truth for us today. You just have to choose your God. Who are you going to follow? And if you follow Yahweh, if you say, I want to follow Yahweh, and you're in, you're in a Bible-believing church who holds to the authority of the Word of God and the sovereignty of God, we have a big sign on our, on our wall that says, we humbly point everyone to the absolute hope of Jesus Christ. We believe that there are absolutes that exist in this world. So if you choose to believe in Yahweh, then we have to go back to, what did Yahweh set up in the very beginning? So we got to go back to the beginning story it's called genesis genesis is the story of the beginning so regardless of how you view that from a scientific standpoint you still need to if you're going to say you follow yahweh you better stick with the moral of the story all right and this is what he says in genesis so god created man in his own image we usually get hung up on that one too uh he created him in the image of god and then our society really struggles with this one right now. He created a male and female. Choose your God. Is the world right or is God right? I don't know. But if you say you follow Yahweh, then you've got to go with what Yahweh said. Okay? So he created a male and female. Then he said God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I'm not bringing kids into this world. It's a horrible place to be. Okay. Fill the earth. Subdue it. No, the humans are the problem with the world today. That's why the world's falling apart. Overpopulation, right? Huh. Dang, burn. Is Yahweh right or is the world right? Choose your God. Rule of the fish, rule of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. You see, if we want to say we follow Yahweh, then we have to decide whether or not we're doing what he said. Is is he really who he says he is? Was that the last verse on that one? I think it was. Yes. So when you when you follow Yahweh, when you say you follow God, when you say you're choosing God, is he really the one that you are following? Or is it a modified version that's palatable for you and in your interpretation of what the world is throwing at you as well? It's really your choice. But when you modify the truth of the word of God, you're going to get a modified outcome of oneness with God, okay? And I, want to, I also want to say right here that this, this idea of choosing God is... is, is a beginning point of spiritual intimacy if you don't choose the same god the scriptures say that you're you're not going to be united together in fact there's a scripture in the new testament that says do not be unequally yoked together it says don't marry someone who is not a believer all right and that's the very first one that most christians like to break you want to know why because i'm going to save them i'm going to date them and they're going to get saved okay you see how quick and easy it is for us to throw out the foundational principles? Because we're convinced our ways are better than God's ways. So when we start with God, we just have to say, am I going to follow his principles, or am I convinced my way and the world's ways are better? Now, yes, there are examples of where the couple works it out when they're spiritually equal in the beginning stages. But you want to know what you're inviting? A cracked foundation. I have counseled many who are in two entirely separate pages spiritually and they wonder why they don't have any intimacy they're in two different worlds they don't have the same value system and someone's going to give one way or the other so it's a principle it's your choice but it is violated very commonly second thing we got to do on our principles is choose oneness choose oneness is oneness even possible is that idea of being one with another person just a fairy tale dream, or did God make it possible? Is it something that we can actually achieve here on this earth? You see, the first principle creates spiritual intimacy. The second principle creates spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy. It does both of them. All right, so when we choose oneness, we have to begin to believe, because we chose God, we chose Yahweh, we have to start with the belief that it's actually possible that spiritual and emotional intimacy can happen. And so then, where we go to in order to find out if this is true, if this is really what Yahweh, our God, said, then we go back to the beginning story, Genesis chapter 2. All right. So Genesis chapter 2 says this, The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. All right? So from the very beginning, He created us with this need for relationship. I will make a helper as His complement. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. Why? Because he gave them dominion. But for the man, and you got to understand, the man was around their name and everything. He's like, there's nobody that looks like me. There's no help, helper. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over him. The man, as he slept, God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that place. And then the Lord God had made from the rib he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, ah, And every man knows what that aha moment is. (laughs) This, uh, this is what I've been looking for. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This one's going to be called woman. For she was taken from man. And that is why a man leaves his father and his mother and bonds with his wife. That is why Kadesh is a great example. He is leaving his father and mother to bond with his wife. And they became one flesh. Now, certainly we can talk about the sexual union that happens there. But more importantly, and what is missed, is the fact that this is an embodiment of the creation of the story of God and the oneness that is to happen between a man and a woman at the point of marriage, in that relationship. That closeness that we long for is satisfied in the oneness that a strong, intimate marriage can create. But we have to believe that it's possible. And we have to choose... Oh hear me on this we've got to choose to make the intentional choices to make sure that that oneness is possible In our homes and it is not easy to keep those That oneness there at all times and when we think about that oneness that deep spiritual bond that can come In our lives from a, a strong relationship an intimate relationship That is given to us because it's supposed to be a direct reflection of the oneness of God God gave us marriage that our marriages might be a reflection on this earth of the oneness that God has in heavens. It's the oneness that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have. And he gave marriage as an example to the world through his believers, for those who choose Yahweh, he gave marriage as the example to the world of what sets them apart. The problem with the church today is our marriages don't look a lot different Lot differently whatever that is whatever english majors fix me Uh, it doesn't look different than the rest of the world so let's go back to the what the scriptures say of why marriage is that model of one we have an example of it when jesus prayed his prayer in john chapter 17 jesus says this may they all be one one just like the one flesh in the old testament this is jesus now in the new testament the solidifying of that covenant marriage that vow all right may they all be one as you father are in me and i am in you may they also be one in us so that the world may believe that you sent me that being one is given as a as a point of reflection of god okay so they may believe that you sent me i've given them the glory that you have given me May they be one as we are one. He's not asking us to do something that he hasn't given us aspect, or the ability to do. That's why, he's, that's why I say choose oneness. It has to be a choice. You've got to believe that it's possible. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so that the world may know you have sent me and have loved me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory which you have given me because you have loved me before the world's foundations it goes back to the beginning story the story of oneness was there before the foundation before the genesis of the world so we have to believe that it's there for us we have to believe that this is possible we have to believe that through the sacrifice of christ we have access to the oneness that we all so desperately long for to experience this type of oneness I'll just give you a couple little examples here. You've got to have open communication in your marriage. You've got to be able to create a safe environment. And so just for a moment, I want you to pretend like there's no one sitting beside you. Preferably if your spouse is here, definitely don't think your spouse is sitting right beside you. Okay? The only person I want you thinking about is you. The only person I want you to be concerned about is the environment that you bring to the table in your home. And I want you to ask yourself these questions, all right? Are you able to be open and vulnerable with each other? And then flip that to you. Do you create an environment where your spouse is able to be open and vulnerable to you? Can you share your dreams and your fears with each other? Do you create an environment where your spouse can share their dreams and fears with you? Do you honor one another? Do you honor your spouse? is there complete trust and then a real tough one what if your spouse reveals a character flaw to you what if your spouse opens up and is vulnerable and attempts that one moment of openness and honesty complete transparency and reveals something that they're struggling with what kind of environment do you set up in that moment you see one of the things I was able to share in the first sermon or the first me- or first service stacey and i had been married for about four years and i had bought a business up in minnesota and it failed and i was going through a bankruptcy and blah 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 it was terrible prior to getting married i'd struggled with pornography and i thought i'd beat it all right and so during this time of bankruptcy uh, all the stresses of life came upon me and i started finding myself going back to my go-to temptation now, i was thoroughly frustrated with myself and so i told my wife because we had vowed to love one another. This was breaking that vow. And so I went to her. And you know what she said? She wigged out on me. She freaked out. She told me if I ever told her that again, she's going to divorce me and it's going to be over. <laughs> That's a life straight from hell. You know what she told me? I love you. And we'll get through it. And you're forgiven. And that moment, she sealed forever that I could always go to her. In a safe environment doesn't matter the character flaw because her vow was sincere it wasn't easy i had to call and get counseling i had to figure out what the heck was going on with me i thought i had defeated that temptation but i didn't have to fear loss of oneness what about you your spouse comes to you with that. Does your spouse need to quiver with fear? You Know how many men I've talked to struggle with pornography and I tell them you need to come clean with your life? You know how many men never come back to see me ever again? Why? They've already been threatened within an inch of their life if they get caught doing anything like that. They aren't gonna open up and be vulnerable with you. There ain't no way in that place. They're gonna tell you anything. They're afraid for their life. Men, what kind of environment do you set up for your spouse can they share with you or do you react in anger is it safe you create a safe environment this is so hard so hard but through christ when you choose your god yahweh he gives you the ability but you have to believe that it's possible i'm not saying it's easy it hurts but it's possible and it creates an emotional bond a spiritual intimacy that will transcend all circumstances. All circumstances. Emotional vulnerability is impossible if forgiveness and acceptance is not present. You get to choose that. That's, that. that's that oneness that I'm talking about. You get to bring that to the table. For those of you that aren't married, man, you can make this choice now. I want to I do that. I wanna be that kind of a spouse. Don't worry about what your spouse does. The only person you can change is you. Is that the environment that you're setting? All right, principle number three. Choose mutual submission. (laughs) Man, if it would just get easier. Choose mutual submission. We so desperately, when we look at the church and we look at husbands and wives and we look at marriage, we want to talk about, yeah, but shouldn't they do this? Shouldn't it look like this? Shouldn't it, ma- shouldn't it match up with this list of rules? Shouldn't they act more like this? Shouldn't she be more like, shouldn't he? That's the structure. And you want to know what we forget? We forget the foundation. You see, this passage that I'm going to give you right here, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21, or 15, yeah, I think it's 21, talks about the foundation. Verse 22 starts talking about the husband and wife role. And in the church, for years, we've started with verse 22 while ignoring the foundation. So remember, we go back to Joshua. Choose this day who you're going to serve, the gods of which world. He says, so pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. We think the world is going to hell in the hand basket right now. This was 2,000 years ago. It was evil then it's still evil today. So don't be foolish. He says But understand what the lord's will is don't get drunk with wine See when we get drunk, we make a lot of bad mistakes I'm not gonna ask you how many you've ever been, been drunk. All right But if you've ever been drunk or been around someone who's drunk, you know that they don't always make the best decisions Okay Because they lead to reckless actions Why don't why doesn't god want us to get drunk because it just leads to poor decision making All right, but he does say this but be filled by the spirit because what does the spirit life do? We speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from the heart to the Lord. Now, I just want to pause here, just in case you're like, uh, "I'll talk to the men." Maybe men, you feel like me, I'm like, "I ain't singing nothing, man. I'm ya a rocker." Right? It's the content of the verbiage. Right? It's what are you saying in those moments? What kind of what is coming forth out of your heart? Trust me, my wife wouldn't want me singing songs and spiritual songs all day long. That'd be a bad day. We'd all be like, "All right, Donnie, shut up." All right? So it says but the content of my speech what's flowing forth in your home giving thanks always for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ you see it's really easy to thank god for all the good things it's really hard to thank god when everything's going bad and that's what it's saying give thanks to god in all things that creates a spiritual and an emotional bond when both of you are praising god in the good and in the bad because the storms are coming. And if your foundation is strong, it's going to stand. If not, then the cracks are going to be revealed. So then, to do this, we submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And then he launches into what's the role of the husband and what's the role of the wife. And we forget it starts at the foundation. You see, there's no glamour yet. We've all just been working on the foundation. Nothing on the structure is built yet. Because we've got to get the foundation right. You've got to choose mutual submission. And then fourthly we've got to choose to love choose the love save the easiest one for last <laughs> choose to love and I, i'm going to use one of the easiest passages on of scripture that defines what love is so that when you go out of here it'll you'll be like oh i can do that one i'm lying all right i'm going to choose first corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 probably the most difficult definition of love ever given to mankind And here's what I want you to understand, all right, because I am going to make it a little bit easier on you, because God asks us to love the world like this. All I'm asking you to do is love your spouse like this. I just want you to love one person like this. Forget the world. I don't mean that. But when we actually think about how hard it is to love our spouse like this, it becomes really apparent that we probably don't love the world just quite as much as we think we do. Because we can't even get it right in our home. Remember, God said that the oneness that's created in the relationship at home is a reflection of the oneness and the love that he has for mankind. So this is why this passage is read at every wedding ever. Well, not every wedding ever. Many Christian weddings, let me say it like that. Because it is an imperative that this is the love that our, foundation, that our, that our marriages are built upon. It says this, love is patient. Again, don't think about your spouse, think about you love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it doesn't dishonor others do you dishonor your spouse by the way you talk i mean when they are not there what do you say to your girlfriends what do you say to your buddies what kind of speech is coming out of your mouth are you honoring them Because your buddies certainly aren't going to tell her what you said your girlfriends aren't going to tell them what you said they're going to commiserate with you and tell you why you should leave them doesn't dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered oh i love this one this is my favorite keeps no record of wrongs you want to know if you love your spouse like that when you're mad what's coming out of your mouth what's the list that you're spewing forth Parents, this is a great one for you as parents too when your kids do things wrong What comes out of your mouth the list of everything they've done or are you able to stay focused on what you're actually trying to address? You see because if you really love them, then you're not going to spew forth every wrong They've ever committed to you in that moment because it's really difficult for conflict resolution when you can't stay on task See love doesn't delight in evil Rejoices with the truth. Man, I can't wait to tell my wife the truth about that. Mm. Do you rejoice in the truth? Do you, I mean, when, we really, when you start breaking this passage down, it's like, man, is that hard. Love always protects. Do you protect your spouse? Do you always trust your spouse? Do you always hope for the best for your spouse? Do you always persevere? man this is stacy and i chose to vow to choose to love we chose to love like this and when we did it we didn't know how hard that necessarily was going to be but we go back to the foundation four principles because love never fails man i am convinced i am convinced that the followers of christ followers of yahweh would follow this definition of love that we find in 1 corinthians 13 it would change our marriages, and then it would change the world. Why? Because then our churches would be filled full of people who reflect the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ to a world who is desperate for close relationships, desperate to understand what true intimacy is, and the people who have should have the greatest answer. We have modified the truths of the Word of God so much that we're, our relationships no longer reflect the truth and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It means that it's possible. So we go back to that idea: are fairy tales possible? Eh, not the way that Disney writes them. But a lifelong relationship of deep, spiritual, intimate, emotional, and, a, and relational love is 100% possible, if we intentionally choose to put into practice these principles. But it's your choice but any modification that you make just remember it's going to modify the outcome And no one else can do anything about that but you And so remember when we do this happily ever after is possible But only if we individually become dependent upon christ Because I don't know if you were here for the series when matt was talking about the new wine We did a marriage series and he talked about the new wine and phenomenal illustration if you are not constantly pouring christ into your life i don't care how disciplined you are to live and love at the level that the scriptures talk about all on your own behavioral management and there are some incredibly disciplined people out there i've met some disciplined people that would i'm like good lord do you ever make a mistake all right they can live at that level but somewhere sometime it's going to run out even for that person sometime, your, as Matt says, your wine is going to run out because the person that you love the most is going to suck the life out of you. And it's either going to be your spouse or it's going to be your kids. <laughs> All right? So we have to constantly be dependent upon Christ because we're constantly pouring it out. When we love the way that Christ loves, we aren't dependent upon ourselves. We have Christ in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. He said he sent the Spirit of God to dwell inside of us. We can't do this on our own. What I just talked about is impossible. But that's why we go back to principle number one. You chose God. You chose Yahweh, who is also Jesus Christ. He lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's possible to do this with Christ. I do have one objection. Because I am not going to stand up here and, and tell you that this is easy. And I know that there are people that struggle with this, and the brokenness that I have sat across the table from, the hurt, the pain, is 100% real. And there is no way. So what happens when your relationship doesn't seem to emulate this? What happens when the love begins to wane? What happens when your commitment seems to be falling apart? Then sometimes you need to get help. And I can't stand up here and give you a blanket answer because relationships are incredibly complicated there is no one answer that's going to fix everybody's problem this is what I can say though is when your relationship begins to fracture when the relationship begins to fall apart what I can say is that there's probably I won't say probably I have always found in 26 years of ministry that somewhere one of those four principles is gone out of whack or never began and so the difficulty is when you're in the middle of the fracture when you're in the middle of the moment finding someone to help you identify where the fracture is coming from and it's usually a foundational principle and so sometimes you got to get help we have two counselors that i refer people to uh, one of them is adam fatal we've actually given him an office space here that he practices out of uh, why because we are so committed to trying to provide the best resources for the families that call Journey Home that we possibly can. I vet every single one of our counselors. I, man, I have lengthy conversations with them. In fact, I even go to them and get practice with them just to see what their practice looks like. Lynn is, where are you at, Lynn? Raise your hand. She's another counselor. So I have a male that I refer people to, and I have a, a gal that I refer people to. And Lynn's here today, this morning. She didn't know I was going to do this. Actually, I did. I asked her this morning. But uh, she... She has a practice, and I went and I did some EMDR because I had this like, fear of, of um, dental people that stick things in her mouth and pull stuff. And, uh, so I wanted to find out, like, why is it? And so I was also vetting her to find out what her practice was like, all right? And so she totally passed, or I wouldn't be telling you the story. I went in, I usually like to try and control my blood pressure, and I can control it, and I have, like, massive white coat syndrome, man. And I can't, I break out, I sit in that dumb chair, and I break out into a sweat. So I went to her to see, okay, what, can this really work? Because I knew I had a root canal coming up. So I went. I didn't even break into a sweat. My blood pressure stayed level, all because of the practice that she did. So I've got two counselors. I'm confident I can send you two. Because relate, and that's just a stupid dentist chair, okay? But I know this. Relationships aren't stupid. Relationships are complicated. And sometimes you need someone else to help you identify what are the things that you need to do to address in your complicated relationship we're here for you man i guarantee you next week when matt talks we know that we it is not an easy process it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and make everything better but through the power and the grace and the hope and the love of jesus christ all things are possible all things are possible So as you leave here today and you think about whatever wherever you're at on that spectrum in your in your relationships Know this that you serve a God Who can heal all hurts Redeem all relationships And fix all brokenness Now I won't say that all marriages come out together Because you can forgive anybody Forgiveness only takes one person But reconciliation takes two Reconciliation takes two And I wish in a perfect world that both parties were always willing to reconcile but that is just not the way the world works but I do know this no matter where you're at in that spectrum that God can heal the hurt he can heal the pain and he can redeem the moment so let's pray God you are so good to us and Lord we bring to you the complications of relationship and Lord I know in a room this size there are good decisions that have been made and there are bad decisions that have been made maybe some of them last night but God, this is what I do know, that you are capable of healing all things, that you are capable of redeeming all things. And so, Lord, today, I pray a protective covering over the people in this church and all the relationships that are represented here. Lord, if they need help, help them to break down the walls and the, the, just be willing to go get the help that they need. Lord, just to have someone speak into it differently, look at it from a different viewpoint. Lord, if they're in the middle of an incredible relationship, God, protect them. Let them put into place the, the necessary foundational keys to make sure that their relationship stays strong for the length of their relationship. God, wherever they're at in the middle of that, Lord, if they need corrected, then correct them. If they need encouraged, encourage them. If they need healing, then heal them. God, wherever they're at, God, we give them to you. We give our relationships to you. And God, we ask that you forgive us because, God, we know in the heart of our hearts that many times we're the reason why things aren't going well. So God, even in that moment, help us to love ourselves with your love so that we can just simply forget the, forgive the wrongs that we have done. Help us to forgive ourselves so that we can forgive others. God, we love you, we thank you, and we trust you. Amen.